calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Nine days and 21 hours. Content warnings for death, blood, malnourishment, claustrophobia, injury, and police. Elon Grin was a construction worker on the new Sky Enterprises head office building and art gallery. We were in charge of leveling each new layer of concrete on each of the building's 172 above-ground floors. Just this morning, we worked on the newly constructed 54th floor. V carefully leveled the floors, making sure not to step in any of the wet quicksand. V then smoothed out the walls, making sure there was not a bump out of place on the whole floor. Elon was very good at this job. No one else in Sky Enterprises had quite the same attention to detail and eyes more accurate than a leveler. In fact, Elon Grin was the best at this job, and V was very proud of that fact. But just as Elon was preparing to check the walls of the 54th floor's toilets, V heard a shout from one of the floors below. One of V's colleagues needed V on the third floor. Elon was very confused. Was there something wrong with the walls V had treated on that floor? Was a floor uneven? It was impossible. Eager to put whatever it was right, Elon rushed to the main corridor and into the temporary service elevator, going to the third floor. And that's when the power cut. The elevator stopped in place and the lights vanished. It was pretty funny, V thought, to be stuck in an elevator in a building still under construction. Two hours later, V didn't find it quite as funny anymore. You see, R.E. Paul, the CEO of Sky Enterprises, was a very bad person, surprisingly enough, and had just lost a court hearing and been sent to prison. His second, T.W. DeBoss, the newly appointed CEO of Sky Enterprises, was suddenly left to deal with his predecessor's enormous losses and many upset clients. So he did the only decent thing, and shut it all down until things cooled over. That meant stopping construction on four new buildings and halting ongoing work in 27 sites throughout the West. Elon thought about none of this. However, as V waited and waited, the light was still off, 
None of the buttons worked, and the elevator slowly creaked to itself as if humming. About an hour ago, Elon heard Vess colleagues muffled speaking many floors below, and soon after, there was silence. Everyone had left. V was getting peckish and cold and rather needed the toilet. It's okay, Elon told herself. It's just psychological. I think I want all those things just because I know I can't have them right now. Soon enough, I will get out of here and be able to eat, get a coat, and go to the toilet as much as I'd like. After five hours, Elon was fairly certain that V's hunger was not just psychological. Nor was the cold or the tiredness that had started to needle away at them for the past little while. V had nothing to do but sit until rescue came. And it would, Elon kept telling herself. V wouldn't just be forgotten here. Surely someone will come. Any minute now. Any minute. Elon woke up with a start, stomach grumbling, the memories of a bad dream still fresh in Vess' mind. V tried to roll over and immediately hit Vess' head on the glass walls of the stationary elevator. The glass shattered, and soon Vess' forehead was bleeding into Vess' eyes. V tried to wipe the blood away, but it just stuck to Vez's hair and then kept pouring. Soon enough, Elon's hair became stiff of dried blood, and so did Vez's clothes. V's hands were bruised and bloody from punching any and every available button with increasing mania. Vez's muscles ached from trying to pull the doors apart, and Vez's stomach felt as if someone was sticking pins inside it begging for food. The glass lining the walls were stripped apart, now shards of dark pain covering the floor. All around Elon were dark, gray, perfectly smooth walls. Elon was sitting in one of the corners, leaning Vess's head back on the walls, Vess's body unable to hold it up any longer. V was absentmindedly playing with a piece of glass on the ground, turning it between Vess' fingers as fresh blood continued to stain the floor. V did everything, absentmindedly, these days. It has been at least three days since V last had an actual thought. After day seven, Elon had stopped doing even that. V was just sitting there now, staring into whatever it was V was seeing, and waiting. Every few hours, Vez's eyes would close and a few hours later they would open again. Not that they noticed the difference. Nine days and 21 hours later, the elevator doors opened. A generator was hooked up to the electricity of the building, and all the lights came on again. The police officer at the ground floor was hit with a wave of the most horrible smell she had ever experienced, and will ever experience in her career. Someone had reported the foul smell that developed on the site over the past few days, but she had expected ordinary construction sloppiness, not the abhorrent scene that unfolded before her. She wasn't even going to come, 
really. She thought a written warning to the site's owner would be more than enough, and she could get on with more important things than a funny smell. It was only when she discovered that the letter would have to be addressed to a prison out of state that she sighed deeply and grabbed her coat. She had really come to regret it now. Hardened blood and excrement, sweat, tears, a floor lined with broken glass, and one dead body staring blankly right at her. She just stood there, frozen, as the elevator doors closed again. This microsode was written by Nico Goldstein. It was narrated by Stephen Andrasano and produced by Tal Manier. Nico is a sound designer and dialogue editor on shows such as Dining in the Void and What Will Be Here. They created the audio drama pilot New Life and The Little Bits, an ongoing micro-podcast. Stephen Indrasano, hey that's me, is the owner and operator of Indrasano Audio LLC, a podcasting company, where he does sound design, dialogue editing, voice work, and other general nerdery. He can be found on Twitter at Indrasano Audio, and his DMs are always open. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.